there's Marie Kondo. And then there's Marie Kondo. Commiserate with me for just a few minutes. Hi and welcome back to episode 8 of Just a Few Minutes. Now, a few things to note before I begin. If the audio quality sounds a bit odd, uh, it's much noisier than normal, it's not as smooth as, as I usually try to make it, it's mainly because I am attempting to record on my phone with the microphone. And I'm actually doing this because I'm going to be covering the app that I'm using to upload podcasts and to manage podcasts in a future episode. So I'm basically just putting the app through its paces and I figured, hey, best way for me to do it is to actually use the app as it was intended from start to finish. In this case, for those who are curious, it's Anchor, which is a podcasting app. Um, and before I continue about it, I think I'll keep the rest of my notes for the next episode. So I'd rather just go back to the topic I was talking about earlier, which is basically Marie Kondo and the KonMari method. Well, not even that, to be honest. I actually started decluttering a day ago, yesterday actually, and there were a few things that made it very apparent to me very quickly. One is that I, like a lot of people, use clutter as a form of defense. It's a sort of fortress for me. Now, part of this is because of the way my mind works. I do not do well in silence. I don't do well in empty spaces. When I see something that's really empty that I'm supposed to contribute something to or if I own that place kind of thing, it fills me with anxiety. I get this urge to be as noisy or as loud and as disruptive as I can. If there are other people beside me, I will usually follow in whatever activity they propose. Or if I'm alone, I will just sit there and attempt to distract myself with something else. So as you can guess, Clutter and me are very good friends because of that. Silence and me, on the other hand, not so. And the thing about it is that when I started decluttering, I realized a few things right away, as I mentioned earlier. One is, of course, like I said, I don't do well in silence. The other thing, after reading Tiara's essay on the KonMari method and how it may apply to queer and marginalized people, is that when you clear your clutter, in my case, my clutter has been around with me for at least five to six years. It's not just, you're not just clearing it on a physical level. There is a psychic toll, there's a mental and emotional toll that it takes on you. For someone who is messy and prefers to be messy because it's one of my armors against the world, clutter, clearing clutter with mindfulness is actually a terrifying prospect. And after starting yesterday, I realized that it is a project that is probably going to take me at least a good, I think maybe about a month or so at the most, you know, at the minimum actually. And 
it's one of the things that I realized ties back to how to deal with New Year resolutions. Now, I mentioned in episode 4 that when it comes to New Year resolutions, it's okay to remember that you will fail. It is also important to remember that it is a marathon and not a sprint. And as I started clearing, I started repeating that to myself because I needed that reminder. And so one of the things attempting to declutter my room has taught me is that when you are feeling overwhelmed with tasks, with the things that you need to do, and when it's something that terrifies you, something that digs into the core of your emotions, the emotions you can feel can be terror, can be excitement, can be joy, can be despair, anything at all. For me, and I stress that this is for me because I know that there are people who will not respond well to this method. So this is what works for me. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, don't force yourself to do it. But what I find useful for myself is to break things down as much as I can to the physical level, as much as I can into my body and into my senses. So in the case of decluttering for myself, it's like I have this whole bunch of things to declutter. So, and the thought, the sheer thought of like moving everything around just made me freeze up and I've been putting it off for months. What finally, what finally sort of tricked myself into doing was to mentally make myself prepare for it. What are the steps that I needed to get it done? I know my room is dirty, so I needed to get a face mask. I know it's dusty, so I need to have a wet cloth ready for me to wipe off the dust. And how do I make sure that the dust doesn't stay in my room? Well, I have a table fan that I can use to blow, sort of get the dust to blow into the bathroom where it will hopefully fall to the floor and then I can clean that up instead. And so identifying the pre-steps that I needed to take and using those as a way to remind myself that hey once we've started on this the dust won't disturb you you won't start feeling sick and you won't start sneezing and triggering an asthma attack helped a lot in making me get started and even then after that in my head it was i was telling myself okay we're going to get started by clearing this box and when I tried to get started, I realized, holy shit, I actually have things on top of this box that I need to wipe down and remove and clear. And I had set myself two things as well. In addition to getting the fan and the mask and the towel ready, I also made sure that I had some music on. And that actually helped a lot because it's like when I had that music and it was something that I was completely not familiar with, so my brain was slightly distracted listening to the beats. I could actually sort of let my body fall into this mode of, okay, pick up box on top of other box. Wipe it off, clear it, look at it. Is this something that I will need in the future? Is this something I would like to keep for sentimental reasons? And I approached those two questions 
um, sometimes I would ask myself if it's something that is sentimental to me because they were gifts. I would ask that question first. And then the second question I would ask is, is this something that is going to be useful for me in the future? And I realized that asking myself those two questions in order of how I acquired those items in the first place actually made it easier for me to decide, okay, so this gift, which is a, a puzzle box from a dear friend, this goes into this, excuse me, this other container because I know I'm going to use it. I know roughly when I will use it. It's just that I don't have the time right now to deal with it. That's fine. And then I found lovely notes, lovely letters from other people, which have sentimental value to me, but it is not something that I know that I want to take out later, open it up and read again. So in those cases, I did what some other people have suggested, which is I took a photo of them and I kept them. I, dis I, I kept the photos and I proceeded to dispose of the items separately. And I started creating this pile of things that I want to donate or things that I want to give away with, things that I need to check if other people still want because some of the things that I have are things that I have promised to give to others or that I have borrowed from others and I realized, oh shit, I haven't given this away. Uh, given it back to them rather. And then there are things that are like, no, why am I still keeping this? And so as I started on that process and I literally only posted like five, I literally only um, went through some of them yesterday. It's like less than half an hour's work. No, it's about an hour's work, etc. And I realized as I began to clear that there was still a lot of anxiety in me. There was still a lot of fear. But at the same time, there was also a sort of relief that I can sort of move on. And as odd as it sounds, as I continued, I could literally feel my body change. Like my body is has an actual physical reaction to the decluttering process. And so, again, I've discovered that when you're stuck with something, it really helps to break things down right to the actual bodily mechanics of what you need to do. And this is, this is not just for stuff like decluttering, which is, to be fair, a fairly straightforward end result. What you end up with is a pile of things that you're going to throw away or a pile of things that you're, sorry, a pile of things that you're going to throw away, a pile of things that you're probably going to give away, and a pile of things that you would hopefully be able to reorganize into something nicer and better. That's decluttering. But I actually also use this method for writing. I use this method for recording. And it's basically the same principles applied in slightly different physical outcomes. So with podcasting, I was actually very reluctant to come back to the seat because I felt, well, it's been one week and it doesn't seem like anybody has noticed that I've dropped off, but I've made this promise to myself and I disappointed myself a lot. Let's not kid ourselves. But I have friends who have actually found this podcast through accident or through 
other means. And I figured, well, at the very least, if they hear this episode, I would have either proven them right or proven them wrong. So that was a motivator for me to even think about how to record. And so then, of course, it was a case of, okay, what do I need to do? I know that I want to plan ahead and I want to test out how would it be to record on the phone with the default phone app for voice recording rather than with Anchor. Okay, so I will need the um, OTG that I got from my phone and I need to plug in the microphone to it. Now I need to drink water because otherwise I'm going to have a lot more unpleasant sounds from talking with dry lips. And then I needed to switch off the fans and have to switch on the aircon because holy crap today is freaking hot. And also because the fans are noisier than the aircon. And that is how I get myself to record. For writing, it's similar but slightly different methods depending whether I'm writing for myself or I'm writing for work. So at work, it's a case of, okay, I'll get up, get myself some water, sit down, wiggle my fingers a bit as I walk up and down because I find that it doesn't just help loosen the muscles um, or give me the illusion so that I can tell and trick myself into doing it. But moving my fingers, I still am calculating something when I'm actually just want to when I actually just want to look busy actually helps me put myself into a state of mind and body readiness that okay we're gonna get started on writing and then when I sit down it's okay put in the headset take out the notebook and draft an opening sentence if I want to or if I need to because I'm stuck with a specific task or if it's something that I can just put my hands on the keyboard and just type sometimes it actually helps for me to just type that uh, to retype whatever notes or that's in the brief, whatever that someone else has said about the task and it gets me in that state of mind. The physical act, like forcing myself to go back down to focusing on my fingers moving the keyboard actually helps to focus to an extent. Now that's at work. At home, it's a slightly different matter. It's like if I want to write something and it's something fictional, then the rules I would use is that I, w- I am very much a consequential writer. I have to write what ha- I have to write A before I can jump to B. And over the years I've realized that sometimes I have a very strong scene in my head that happens in the middle of the story. But I know I need to write the beginning so that I can lead to the middle. So what do I usually do is that nowadays I can do two- one of two things. One is I write down the actual scene and then I will use middle scene instead as the opening scene. I will play around with the format, that's one. The other thing that I find actually that's more useful is that I will, especially if I've been sitting at the screen and looking at it, wondering, how do I start? Uh, what I will do is I will just type something on the keyboard that can be as like, uh, I want to start this, but I can't figure out how or blah, 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 blah. Literally, blah, 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 blah. I find that it actually helps break, like the, it actually helps to break things because as long as it's not pristine, as long as it's slightly cluttered, my brain will take hold of it. My, I will be able to 
sort of force myself or encourage myself to continue writing. Basically, I'm the kind of person who cannot deal with white paper. I can't deal so much with with order. It's not my default state. And so, which is one of the reasons why decluttering is so painful for me, because it is the idea of completely emptying or cleaning up into complete order is something that frightens me. There is a saying, there is a story of a lay person who went to a monk and he asked this monk for help with his problem. And the monk told him to hold his cup of tea. And he and the lay person held the cup of tea and the monk proceeded to pour hot tea into that cup and he kept pouring it until the cup overfilled with hot tea and the lay person held onto the cup for a bit of time before he had to let go because it was too hot and he scolded the monk and the monk told him you can choose to let go at any time when the pain gets too great so how long you choose to hold on to something is until the pain gets too great and the pain that i'm facing as a consequence of having this clutter is now too great for me to hold on to it. Help sometimes to think about it in that way. So in summary, if you're having trouble trying to figure out how to get your New Year's resolution done, and I know that this is basically completely opposite to what I was talking about earlier, which is the KonMari method, but if you're having trouble, trying to get things done because it feels very overwhelming or you have trouble even getting started. Bring it back down to your bodily responses. Bring it all the way back down to the actual physical act that you need to do. Forget about what's on the screen. Forget about define result just focus on doing the actions bring it down straight to the level where it's literally as simple as picking up a cup or as simple as taking a cloth and wetting it under the kitchen sink It is not easy at times, especially if you have a lot of thoughts, a lot of things that are running around in your head. But falling back into your body's movements can distract the mind. If all else fails, go for a walk. Go for a walk or find something physical and focus on your body's conversation. Focus on what your body is saying. When you walk, dive down, 
put send your put your attention on your feet and feel how you actually walk. Feel how your body sways left to right. Feel even if your hands are stiff at your side or if you're swing moving them up and down. When all else gets too overwhelming, find your body's responses. Breathe and then come back up. Before I go, again, as a reminder, if you are neural, neuroatypical, aka you have depression, have anxiety, you have a form of mental illness that you are either A, getting treatment for, B, getting medicated for, or C, any of the above. Do not take my words as gospel. You can try, yes, but do not put yourself in harm's way. And remember most of all, these methods work for me. They may not work for you. And the most important thing is that that's completely okay. So with that said, thank you for listening. I hope that you guys will find this useful. And I'll see you guys on the next one. Bye! Just a few minutes is written and produced by Patricia. The music is Lazy by D. Yankee, which can be found on the Free Music Archive. For more information about this podcast and other voiceover services, visit patriciavoices.com.